We went to a, to a Bethel worship night Friday night. <laughs> yeah. Woo! We met back at 2.30 in the morning. A very spiritual hour. <laughs> Extremely spiritual. Um, yes. Yes. You're absolutely right. You know, in, in, the whole, um, in the whole process, it's one of those kind of challenges, I think, to... Uh, here we are in this room, and we're surrounded by, uh, you know, just... I think that night there's maybe, I don't know, maybe two to 3,000 people there. I'm not sure. That's a good guess. And, you know, we're in this room, and we're all worshiping God, and it just kind of struck me. You know, it's this, it's this moment where we're here, and yet you are aware of all of the different backgrounds and uh, experiences and educations and uh, races and classes and everything else, if you would. They're all sorts of reasons that these people should not be in the same room together. But yet, uh, here we are, you know, and we're in this room, and we're, you know, singing these songs, and uh, the beauty of it is, again, is it's all these people from all these walks of life who are in one place for just one reason, and that's Jesus. And it's, this is one of the most controversial parts of God's work in Christ, is to not just bring people into unity in the Spirit, but that through the church to bring people into physical, social, relational union. I used to hate the church. Was there anyone else like me? Okay, so you guys were not PKs, right? Okay. You guys were not preacher's kids. If you were, you would have hated church. <laughs> and in that environment, one of my missions in life was to find a way to focus my entire life on God without having to do it in the church. That was my life's goal. And what's so amazing about that life's goal is that now it is the exact opposite goal, which I have now. We have no ability to fully connect with God outside of each other. Now, you're Protestant, okay? You're not Catholic, so you should be just angry in your soul right now. That is not true. We have the Bible. We have the Spirit of God. I have all of God that I need right here, me and my prayer closet. Amen? My favorite uh, preacher on the podcast. Come on, is that, yeah. So it's going to be like that today, is it? I don't know what you're talking about. I've got my favorite Bible translation, the one that speaks to me. And I've got my favorite preacher who says all the things that Pastor Devin doesn't. <laughs> he speaks right to me. He's my favorite. And I've got my favorite little prayer chair, and I just sit right in this chair, and it's just me and Jesus without all of the junk that is what? People. And then even if we're not going to kind of stay in that place, even if we're going to be willing to go to church a few times, I have to have my seat. And I like my seat. Because my seat puts me around the people I want to be around and away from the people I don't want to be around. Look around you right now. <laughs> Who has the most open spaces around them? All right. That's all I'm saying. 
When you see me walk in a room, I will sit in like the back corner away from everyone else. Jesus is just... Spiritual maturity is this. Allowing the revelation of who God is in Jesus to pull you into relationship with others. That is what spiritual maturity looks like. It does not look like this amazing knowledge of Scripture. This guy who can quote all the verses, he can read the Greek. This guy is a Bible scholar. He is close to God. That's not what it looks like. It is not this guy, whoa, this guy signs and wonders, prays for people, and they are healed. That's walking with God. Actually, that happened all the time in the Scriptures, and Jesus was not impressed. And you shouldn't be either. Spiritual maturity is this, to be so in relationship with Jesus that you are in relationship with people around you. And it starts simple. It starts with people you like. It starts with people who God, you know, begins to put in your life, and they're just that good match for you. Man, you know what? Like all those church people can't take them, but this person, oh, this is good. Then it moves to where you begin to be in relationship with people that, you know, uh, they are my favorite. I wouldn't hang out with them at the lake, but I can hang out with them at church. And then from there, it doesn't stop then it becomes the person who's on the other side of the fence. It becomes the person who's on the t-ball team. It becomes the person who just absolutely cannot stand at work, and it doesn't stop. And you begin to understand what it means to love God with all that's in you and to what? Love your neighbor. And eventually, you will learn what it means to love your enemy. And this is what maturity looks like. And everyone in this room is going to fight that truth. For the rest of your life, you will fight that truth because you do not want that to be true. Where does all the heartache in life come from? Come on, say it. In-laws. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The joke. That was a joke. (laughs) That was a joke. They're coming over tonight. We love them. It comes from Pete. What? Come on, what? Come on. You don't have a microphone. (laughs) It comes from people. Some of the wisest philosophy that you can read, it will teach you that to have a safe life means to live an isolated life. The more safe and secure you want to be, the more you need to withdraw yourself from the people around you. Not just annoying people or troubled people, or broken people, but people in general, the moment you begin to extend your care for someone else, you are in danger. The moment you begin to care what happens to someone else's life, you are now in danger of experiencing pain. The moment you care what someone else says, you are now opening yourself up to a risky life. To be a preacher is to put yourself in harm's way. Okay, you didn't get okay. You all have opinions of what I'm about to say and like what I've said, correct? Okay. So most preachers learn how to not care what you say. Well, they don't know the scriptures as well as I do. They didn't spend the time in prayer as I've spent. So I don't really care what they say. 
But this is just an example of how we all begin to interact. And we all find a limit for us. There's a limit for everyone in this room. Toward the moment that Christ began to work in your heart, you began to form new relationships. Think back to whenever that was. The moment in your life where God was the most important thing for you, what was happening around you. The first thing that was happening to you was you were forming new relationships with people. And through those relationships, it was fostering your knowledge and understanding of who God was. Yes, you might go to your Bible, you might have been in prayer, so on and so forth, but it was people in your life telling you, so God is like this, and God is like this, and God is like this. Now try to search in your life, when did you begin to pull away from people? When did you begin to isolate yourself? When did you begin to get suspicious of people and preachers and books? I'm not sure if I agree with Pastor Devin. He's a little too controversial for my taste. Amen, right? That is my goal, to step on as many toes as possible. When did you begin to find your people, if you would, your spiritual people? When did you begin to find that speaker and that church and that group of, of the way that they see God, I connect to them? Was it, uh, was it Osteen? Was it Bethel and Bill Johnson? Was it John Piper? Please don't let it be John Piper. I'll pray for your salvation. Most um, of you guys, who's that? Good. Stay that way. Um, I'm just messing. He's, he's saved and, yeah, okay. <laughs> was it Hagen and the Word of Faith movement? Was it the Jesus movement? Uh, was it vineyard or was it something, you know, even crazier? Oh, what about those Pentecostals? <laughs> See? Yeah. I love this screaming, yelling, dancing, twirling, sweating. This is great. We can do that. Flags and tambourines, that is my people. Now, when you began to draw into those groups, how did you view the other groups? When you began to come into the Word of Faith crowd, how did you respond to people who didn't see God that way? When you began to be a Pentecostal and to dance and sing and run and scream and get wild, what did you think about those Baptists who were sitting in their chairs like this? And their church service, they get out of church on time. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Surely God wasn't with them. So when you begin to relate to God as Father, and you begin to enter into this, it just clicked with you. Father, it just clicked with you. And so all the teachings and the people you surround yourself with, it just kind of reinforced this. I'm comfortable here. Then you got those crazy eyehoppers over here. It's the bridegroom and the bride, baby. We're praying in the wedding, the wedding feast. And you go, maybe that's not for me. Or that was for you, and it connected, and it just kind of resonated with you. Then everything else that you used to understand was just kind of, yeah, it's okay, but it's just kind of, it's a little bit inferior. This is the way we connect to God. 
He went the scriptural route. God is sovereign. He's creator. He's all-powerful. And the only response that we have is to be sinless, to live our lives, to be sin-free, to show the world that they are sinful. So we're going to wear our skirts down to our ankles, and we're not going to move our hips to that Satan music. Now, I'm making fun, but every single one of us has our people. We all have our groups. Oh, that's Stephen Furtick. He can preach, singing, dancing, and boy, he goes to the gym. <laughs> come on, do you guys know? Come on. Come on. I just like that kind of thing. Every single one of us in this room, we already have our comfort zone. There is a group of people preachers, churches, doctrine, there is a lens through which you like to see God. Oh, man, because God wants me to be the head and not the tail, highly favored and blessed, healthy, wealthy, and whole. I like that lens. And so I'm going to hang out with these people because this is comfortable. And some of you just can't grasp that idea. Surely God wants more for me than a brand new boat because I really don't have that high self-esteem of myself. So maybe what God wants is for me to be perfect. And so I have to work for the rest of my life to be sinless. And I know that I'm doing good when I look at those people and I see how they live. At least I'm not one of... I don't drink... Well, I'm not going down on Garrison on the weekend. Yeah, Jesus is at the bar, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, have your Bible studies in the pub with Satan, right? Come on, we're in the South. You know this is exactly how people talk. Come on. Maybe you're a church of Christ. Instruments? You all have a toe, and I'm going to step on it at some point today. But do you see what we do? We find a way to connect to God that kind of works for us. And we begin to draw into that. And we begin to, if you would, we huddle up with everyone else who sees God that way. And what we, picture this. In this group, we all begin to kind of turn our backs to each other. So if you would, so the circle is behind us. And so now we begin to form this wall. And it says, if you don't see God the way we see God, you are not with us. When people come to New Believers class here um, at Grace, they always have the same questions. First one, do you speak in tongues? Because how you answer that tells me if you're in the group or out. Is the Bible the inerrant Word of God? Was this planet made in seven days, or are you with Darwin? Because Jesus hates Darwin. He's in hell burning. I know this. How about wanting to get all your toes? So do you let gays in? So would you let them, like, shake people's hand? 
You think this is a joke. I get these questions. And we all have these circles. And somehow we find this way to where we become the ones who judge. We're the ones who know what's God and what's not God. Who God hangs out with and who he doesn't. Because God only shows up when that favorite song of mine comes on. And the bass line's just right. The AC's a little bit lower. And you just feel it. Mm, God is here. Because on Garrison, when people are dancing and singing and doing, you know what, debauchery, that's not God. So here's a challenge for you guys. As we go through this series, it's all just words, okay? It's only words unless we allow ourselves to engage this. And the way this whole thing starts, it starts with us having to spend time looking in the mirror. Who do I think God is? What things have I put on God that are not God? What limits, what box have I put God into? I am not the most comfortable in a service with black gospel music. Me. I'm not comfortable there. Would you like to know why? It's not because I'm white. (laughs) Please don't say the obvious. It's because the only way that I know to engage that is to dance. (laughs) And I'll be honest, there are places that I believe that I can dance and it's okay, but in church, I'm just not there yet. I mean, I'll do this number a little bit, you know, but that's about it. And they challenge me. I don't like to be loud. I mean, if you know me, this is the loudest you will ever see me is on the stage. And I do it for you because I care about you. Because if I didn't, I'd just be boring. So I don't like to shout. I don't understand a reason to ever shout unless, like, someone needs, you know, a doctor. You know, like, <laughs> Joey got hurt the other day at dodgeball. And I just stood there going, you okay? I mean, <laughs> you good? There are like few reasons to get loud, okay? And in the gospel environment, I just, I have, it stretches me because my God is much quieter than their God. (laughs) My God is not the God of shofars and lightning and thunder. He's the one who speaks in quiet and whispers, okay? Like in, in the silence, you know? That's my God. And so the whole idea of shouting and running, and it just stretches me beyond my comfort zone. And I'm tempted. I'm very tempted to say, I don't know how genuine that is. I mean, can you really be that happy every Sunday? (laughs) I've got like one happy Sunday maybe every two and a half years, maybe, you know. I'm kidding. That's when I'm not here. That's when I'm, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Joke. Jokes. Jokes. And so I'm tempted. 
because it threatens me, because it begins to say to me, well, if God is that, is there something that I'm missing out on? And if there's something that I'm missing out on, I'm going to have to get uncomfortable to get in on it. Surely I'm going to have to, in some way, shape, or form, loosen up a little bit to encounter God that way. And I don't think I'm willing to. So what's a little bit easier for me is to find a way to put up some safety walls. Well, sure, they can do that, but let's be honest, maybe it's not real. It's just good music. Because our music, you know, that's ridiculous. Okay. Maybe it's just phony and fake. Maybe those word of faith people, you know, maybe it's just, ah, perhaps it's all positive thinking. It's just all up in their head because I'm not comfortable doing that. Maybe those Catholics with their Eucharist and their wine, it's not Welch's. Wine, the good stuff. No, I'm kidding. The terrible stuff that Satan drinks. Um, I'm not comfortable with this. So maybe they're missing it somewhere. Maybe they just got so distracted by all their... (laughs) They just missed it. And so I'm going to stay right where I'm comfortable with God. Do you see how we all do this? We all, every one of us, I do this all the time. You do this all the time. And what's happening here is that we, we're not just talking about people and churches. We are talking about who God is. And we are unwilling to let God be bigger than we want him to be. I think in theory, I think we could all agree that God is bigger than who you think he is. But in reality, we're not willing to let him be that. It's a challenging thing. It's a heart thing. It's an emotional thing. It's a mental thing. It goes to the core of who we are. Because if God is really outside of my comfort zones... That means that to follow him, to have more of him, I'm going to have to get uncomfortable. And I just don't want that. Sunday, twice a month, once a month in the summer, that's good for me. Father's Day, we're definitely not going to church Father's Day, but Mother's Day, we'll all go. (laughs) What is with that? (laughs) Anyways. Moms, you guys do good, okay? Like when it's Mother's Day, there's not an empty chair. When it's Father's Day, we're all gone fishing, even though it's raining. And, you know, sorry, you know, we had plans to go to the lake. Oh, come on, I had to, I had to. So this challenge, it hits us all. So the first thing for us is this. Where have I stopped Where have I stopped pursuing God? At what point was I unwilling to move any further? At what point was I unwilling to, if you would, step beyond this this safe bubble that I found of who God is? And so in this process, 
if you're willing to say, God, show me who you really are, it's going to start a process for you. If you guys have your Bibles, go uh, to Hebrews 1.1. 1.1. Sound like Donald Trump. 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Come on, we're just poking each other today. It, it, it's, it's all fun. I'm sure he knows the Bible. Just messing. It's too easy. It's too easy. All right. Hebrews 1, here's what it says. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets and many times in various ways. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Pause right there. The entire Bible is one monster story that is telling you one thing, okay? It is a story of God showing up and continuing to, if you would, reveal more of himself. And every single time in the story from Genesis to Revelation, every time that God shows up and says, okay, yes, I'm this, this, and this, but I'm, now I want you to, I'm also this. I'm also this. Every single time that he challenges his people to know him at a deeper level, but they always resist it. Always resist it. It's okay for God to be up there on Sinai with the clouds, but don't call us up to the top. We don't want to know you that way. It's okay for you to speak to us through prophets, but don't be our king. We need a person to be our king. It's okay for you to speak to us through prophets and through scriptures, but definitely don't put on a body and come talk to us in person. That's not okay. And so in the past, God spoke through all these different ways, but now, in these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom he also made the universe. Okay, this is called pulling the trump card. Oh, that's... <laughs> has a whole new meaning nowadays, doesn't it? Okay, pulling the trump card. Um, what he's saying is this. Yes, God spoke through all these ways, but understand this. The way he's speaking today, it's beyond all that. Oh, you want to argue? He made the entire universe. Trump card. Try to argue with that. The, the, the way God is revealing himself today trumps all ways he's ever spoken to us, ever. Now, the Apostle Paul does this all throughout his epistles. He is constantly trying to convince the Jews that this image of who God is is the way that we have to re-understand him in all other ways. And it's a struggle that he, yeah, huge struggle. Now, verse 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Pause right there. This is the only reference of this in the entire Bible. Uh, Colossians comes close. Jesus is the only... How did you put this? In all of the, the moments and places and times that God shows himself, this is the only place where it's stated that this equals this. How do I say that? Um, we talked about the ocean last week, right? I said, if you're trying to explain the ocean to someone who's never been there, you tell them, well, it's kind of like your bathtub because it holds water. It kind of smells like the salt because it smells like the salt. And it, it, it sounds like a seashell, right? It's not quite a direct equivalent. Does that make sense? Okay, bathtub does not equal ocean, correct? Okay, let me challenge you. Bible does not equal God. Did you know that this is one of the big separations between Christianity and Islam. You are saved through the Quran, but you are not saved through the Bible and Christianity. 
In Christianity, the Bible takes you to God and Jesus, and you are saved through Jesus. In Christianity, the Bible points us to God. He's not contained in this book. It's, it's a book of God. It's not the God in the book. Does that make sense? It's a major contention between our religions. This book does not contain. It points to and it points to Christ. And in Christ, in some way, shape, or form, is all of the fullness of who God is. He's, it's the only statement where it says, this is this. The Bible is like a bathtub to the ocean. Jesus is the ocean. Does that make sense at all? Please don't put that on Facebook. Yeah. The Bible, is, it's like a bathtub. Okay. Let's keep reading. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact, I'm sorry, representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And it goes on to talk about some things he accomplished and why and how. Now, in this process of trying to discover who God is and having to venture uh, beyond our comfort zones, of having to let God um, outside of his box, here's one question I get. How do we do this and not just get absolutely lost? There are so many ideas out there. There's so many theories. There's so many books and, you know, doctrines and philosophies. I mean, how do I stay a Christian as I step out to, to encounter more of who God is? Uh, here's the answer. There is an anchor. There is one anchor that we have in this process. If you would, it's like you're going out diving or something, okay? The, the only thing that we do, we take ourselves and we anchor, we latch on to God in Christ, meaning we know that God is the God that is revealed in Jesus. This becomes the anchor, the source of security as we dive into the deep. As we begin to go deeper into encountering God in new ways and places and ideas and images, okay, we have one anchor, and that is God in Christ. This becomes the way that we are anchored as we begin to go into places that we would never go in the past. Now, in this process, it also includes the way that we interpret Scripture. Now, this is very debatable depending on uh, who you ask, but when it comes to the way that we understand the Scriptures, we understand them through the lens of Christ. One of the hardest things for you to do is to go into the Old Testament and to find the same God in the Old Testament that we, that we see in the new. It's very difficult. And if any pastor or teacher tells you it's not, he's lying. It is. If you don't give it a cheap answer, well, God was just, you know, he wanted to take babies out of wombs for some reason, you know, so it's okay. He's holy. It's the same God as Jesus. I'm sorry. I, no. <laughs> answer doesn't work. Sorry. But what does happen is through Christ, we have this ability to go back through all of the moments where we see God revealed, and we have the ability to encounter God in this way. That's its own series, which would take us months and months, but in this process, the one anchor that we do is we hook ourselves to God made, made manifest in Jesus. If you guys notice the book of Revelation, which we got into, and it's just dramatic um, imagery and all the stuff going on, the one constant that the Apostle John continues to go back to is God 
revealed in Christ. Specifically, Jesus crucified. In all of this craziness and this, this, this insanity and this pain and struggle, the one constant that we hold on to as Christians is the lamb that was slain. This is where we center ourselves. Now, if you're willing to go beyond this, if you're willing to dive, it's going to take you into a process. If you guys have your Bibles, go to um, Matthew 14, verse 24. Now, you guys have all heard this and, and read this. This is the walking on the water thing, okay? This, to me, is the best story to communicate what it is like to be willing to encounter God in a new way, okay? Um, now, I'm not saying it's the only thing going on in the text. There's a whole lot more going on there. But this is the one story, I think, that, that tells us what it's like. Um, so they're out there uh, on the boat, and it says uh, the boat was far out to sea, and, and, and uh, the wind came up against them. They were battered by the waves. At about 4 o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And again, the fact that we read that statement as if it's normal is, is, is odd, Okay. And he comes, and of course, he's, he's walking the water. And um, they were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was, was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. I'm sorry. That's not going to do it for me. You know? Oh, he's walking the water. Oh, it's okay. It's Jesus. It's okay. You know? It's fine. It's just Jesus. He said, don't be afraid. We're good. And so what happens here? Peter Suddenly, Bold said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come out to you on the water. Now, in this story, I think often, sometimes, you know, we forget that it wasn't Jesus who called Peter out to the water. It's Peter who calls out to Jesus. Hey, if it's you, okay, let's do this. This process starts with something that I call deconstruction, okay? It's, it's a phrase that's, that's used by some teachers that are far better and smarter than I am. But in this process, we see an image of God that is different from anything that we've ever seen before. Example, Jesus walking on water. Is that different? Okay. Now, often in the Scriptures, Jesus is using the imagery of the Old Testament. He's constantly drawing from the images in the Old Testament. But this moment, you'd have to stretch it a little bit to say that, that this was familiar uh, for Peter. There's no place for Peter to be able to comprehend why Jesus is walking on water. And so, in this moment, it's not just scary, okay, but it's also saying, what in the world is this? Like, where is the person Jesus who I know and the God that I'm trying to follow, what in the world is happening in this moment? And, and again, in this moment, there's only one person who speaks up. And his response is, if this is really you, then okay, then I want this. Through deconstruction, when you begin to encounter God in a way that is different from any other way that you've encountered Him, you will have a choice to make. Choice one, stay in the boat. Meaning, I don't know what to do with that, so I'm just going to stay right here and ignore that. Okay, 
So I grew up in charismatic churches. Things got wild and crazy, and a lot of it was good, and some of it wasn't. We were famous for the five-minute visit. It takes five minutes to check your kids into nursery. <laughs> okay, four minutes. It takes one minute to walk into the worship sanctuary and be freaked out enough to leave. We used to be famous for the five-minute visit. Just enough time to get in and to realize, mm, yeah, I'm staying in my boat. I'm good. We're going to First Baptist. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> Second Baptist, maybe. So, for a lot of people, it was a stretch. And again, you know, I'm not saying that everything that, that was happening there was God, but there was something and it was God. And so, you'd have someone who was there for the first time, and this is foreign to them. This, this entire thing is just foreign. And they could just kind of feel, if you would, there's something in this that's God. I don't know what it is, but there's something. And they would have to choose to step out of their comfort zone on their boat and to pursue God, if you would, in the waves, in the uncertainty. For me, pursuing God through the Eucharist, I was always taught that Catholics were, they are their own thing, is what I was taught. They're not really Christians, you know, we don't really like believe anything they believe. They're just kind of like their own thing. We want to get them saved, too. That's kind of what I was taught. And then <laughs> through some events, you know, I, I felt God was, was, was trying to encounter me in this way through bread and juice. We'll say juice. And I was just like, why do we even need this? Like it's this old, historical, antiquated, whatever. I mean, we don't even need that. We don't, we don't need that. And there's a period in my life where I had to get out of my comfort zone in my boat and step into uncertainty. And I had to begin to encounter God in ways that I wasn't fully comfortable with. For these Christians, the central basis of being a Christian is the table. Without it, you cannot be a Christian. This is what centers a Christian, is what forms a Christian, is what connects a Christian to God. It is everything. And I was taught this was nothing. Not by Pastor Larry, okay? by other people. We would do it like three times a year, you know, if the Spirit led us to, you know. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, I can't help it. Every week? That seems kind of religious, right? And we don't do religious things around here. It has to be spontaneous. We might gather and sing the same songs at the same time every Sunday, but that's not religion. That's just worship. That's funny. <laughs> Whatever. It is. It is. And so having to discover God here was so scary for me. Now, for this world... This takes the place of this, okay? The idea of singing songs and worship this way, of encountering God this way, the idea of having a service end with laying hands on people, because the churches I grew up in, we ended service with what? The altar call, right? So I step into this world where this is the center, not this. 
We end with this, not with praying for people. And so now I'm encountering God here. I know I encountered God there, but what do I do with this? And am I allowed to tell anybody? Oh, Lord, if I tell people that the... <laughs> if, I, if I call communion Eucharist, I will be stoned. <laughs> what do we do there? And so as we step out of the boat, what takes place in this whole thing? It says... So the, the response of Jesus, he said, come ahead, he said. So jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves, he lost his nerve, and he started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. But Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down, he grabbed his hand, and then he said, faint heart. What got into you? Now, this process of encountering God outside of your comfort zone, this process of allowing God out of the box you put Him in, it is like learning to walk on water. That's what it is. It's learning to feel safe and stable when everything around you and under you doesn't feel safe or stable. My world was so much more simple when I knew that worship was this. When someone told me this is worship, what? For me to jump into this and to encounter God here as richly as ever did the best song with the best tagline, the best bass line, okay, was very frustrating for me. And it felt like I wasn't standing on solid ground. It felt like I was just unstable, unsafe a little bit. When you go through the first step, when you go through deconstruction, it's when you have a new encounter with God that challenges the old ways. And if you're going to embrace this, it is like stepping out of your boat onto the water because everything that used to be so sure for you is now a little shaky. Do you guys ever have a waterbed? The dumbest things ever, okay. <laughs> if you like the waterbed, just don't acknowledge it, okay? Like, just don't acknowledge that the... Okay, that's, that's just weird, okay? <laughs> Do you ever try to stand up on one? Okay. That is what deconstruction feels like. When you are willing to encounter God in a new way that changes all the other ways you ever encountered God, you are constantly on this. That is what's happening. Now, what we tend to do is this. When you've fully committed, when you've stepped to that boat and you're saying, God, I want to know you in this new way. What we tend to do is this. We tend to grab a hold of the new way that we know God and to push away the old way. Do you remember the group things that you know, I was talking about? We tend to go, okay, you word of faithers, I'm running away from you. Now I'm over here with the Catholics. You're not really Christians. 
Okay. Uh, you go from the Baptist camp to the Pentecostal camp. Well, because you guys don't speak in tongues and you know, get crazy with flags, you're not really saved. And the Baptists say, well, because you guys don't ever read the Bible, you're not really saved. <laughs> okay, right? Whoa, okay. We just do the same thing that we had just done. We make the same mistake again. It's like Peter saying, well, if you were with me, you'd know that God only walks on water. I mean, surely. And so if you're not walking on water with Jesus, you're not really... That makes sense. So when you are willing to encounter God in a new way, you will make the same mistake again. You will embrace the new way by pushing off the old way. Now, if, you're, if you continue to, to pursue God with an open heart, if you have people around you who are there to kind of, uh, if you would, to be bumpers for you in this process, it's almost like the uh, bumpers in the bowling alley. Yes, you guys ever had those before? The kids throw it, and it just makes its way, and it's strike every time. You know what I'm talking about? Okay. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the bumpers. As we are encountering God in new ways that just make us go all over the place, the church is to be there to help us in the end, to make it right where we're supposed to go. It's called community. As you begin, as you begin to go from deconstruction, you're going to step into the next phase, which is called reconstruction. Reconstruction for me is even harder than deconstruction because now I know God's over here, but reconstruction is having to hold on to the new way that you, are, that you know God and having to go back to the old and to bring the good from it and having to know God this way and that way. Most people are not able to ever go back. It's not saying that you keep everything of the old, but it's trying to say that I know that I found God in here somewhere and I need to bring this and bring this. And then the hardest thing is this. And then you go, oh, God's over there too? And it starts all over again. Reconstruction is, is learning to walk on the water bed to where it's, you get used to it not being safe. The water bed is always going to have some kind of rigidity. You know, it, it takes time, but you can learn to stay upright. It causes you to be a little bit more cautious. It causes you to walk a little bit slower. <laughs> it's constantly having to rebalance yourself. I can't go too far this way. I can't go too far that way. I can't go too far into the new. I can't go too far into the old. I got to find a way to balance myself because I know God's here and I know God's there and I want all of God. Reconstruction is learning how to be comfortable in uncertainty, knowing that you don't know it all. What's so beautiful about staying in your boat is that you are sure, you are certain. God shows up when we get the baseline. He shows up when I lay hands on people. He shows up whenever I have, you know, like the best podcast. He shows up whenever, you know, like it's the best worship. Team. He shows up, you know, in my favorite memory verse. God, you know, like that's what is in. Like that's what it is. It is hard to give up 
that comfort. But the challenge is, are you in this for God or are you in this for yourself? You will not step out of your comfort zone if all you're interested in is you. If you truly are, if you would, about God, if God is the priority in your life, you are willing to let him reshuffle and to mess up anything. But if you're really not in it for that, then you'll stay in that boat. Would you guys stand with me? Now, what I love about the Bible is it's just so good at giving us some reference points for things that we're going to go through. John 8, 54 through 59. I'll summarize because we don't have a lot of time. What happens there is Jesus is being confronted and they're challenging his teachings and they're saying, well, I'm sorry, but we're not, we are children or from Abraham, meaning we have the faith of Abraham. We are connected to God this way. This is who God is. And, and of course, Jesus challenges this. And he says, well, Abraham had a glimpse of these days, meaning he had a glimpse of God in me. And he rejoiced at the glimpse. And if you truly cared about God, then you would receive God right now. And of course, that was a challenge as well. And of course, things get hairy and they say, so what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that my way of, of, of knowing God is, is wrong? And of course he says, yeah. <laughs> but the response there is this. When they, when we feel threatened, when our comfort zone, when our boat is getting rocked, okay, when someone's image or idea of who God is challenges ours, when it tells us that we have to move on, we have one response. We pick up stones. Think back to a time where a friend of yours or a pastor this Sunday, uh, where someone said something about God that challenged you and you didn't like it. The first response is what? Attack. Correct? Well, he's wrong because of this verse and like this and this and you know, this and this. It's called Facebook, right? You know, we, if you would like to know how you're responding to this challenge this morning, did you respond by being, did you go on the attack? Well, he's wrong because of this and this, and well, this and this and this and this. We always try to respond. When we are threatened, we respond by throwing stones. So the challenge this morning is this. As we come to the table this morning, the challenge is to put everything down and to recenter ourselves in God revealed in Christ. Father, we come to you this morning. Search our hearts, Holy Spirit. If there are parts of us that are just like uh, resisting and frustrated or threatened, defensive or even numb, just, 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 just numb, ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move upon our hearts. This morning, we lay down all things and we thank you that we know God revealed in Christ.